Hi, and welcome to the Country Hope Church podcast. We're based in regional Queensland with locations in Chinchilla, Gainda, Jandawi, and Meandara. We hope you enjoy this episode and we invite you to join us for a Sunday service. For full details, head to our website, www.countryhope.church. Out of curiosity, is there anyone here who has not who has not watched one minute of the Olympics? It just does not interest you. Wow, I'm quite amazed at that. <laughs> I watch every minute I can. I love the Olympics. Did anyone see the man, the Australian man, running in the hundred metres last night? It was on fairly late. He he ran the fastest any Australian has ever run in the Olympics. Ten point oh one for the hundred. He was the sixth fastest in the heats, and he had a mullet. Which proves to me, if you want to be fast, grow a mullet. So that's my challenge now, to grow a mullet. I want to um, just read a Bible verse to you. And we're going through this series, God Speaks Through His Word. I want to read a passage. This is God's Word to us. This is revealed by God Himself. And it reveals His character and how we're supposed to live. And so... This is what it says, Deuteronomy 21, if someone has a stubborn and rebellious son who does not obey his father and mother and will not listen to them when they discipline him, his father and mother shall take hold of him and bring him to the elders at the gate of his town. And they shall say to the elders, this son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey us. He's a glutton and a drunkard. Then all the men of his town are to stone him to death. You must purge evil from among you. All Israel will hear of it and be afraid. Now, what do we do with that verse? We read it, this is God's word to us, and it's pretty clear. Next time someone puts on Chinchilla Community Forum about, is smacking your child all right, I'll say, hey, God says you can stone to death, so smacking's not too bad, because it says so in the Bible. What do we do with this? Uh, Carly said last week as she preached the first sermon in this series, parts of the Bible are boring, parts are complicated, Parts are really hard to understand. And it's true because the Bible is, at the same time, the simplest book in the world to read and the most complicated book. So what do we do when we read a passage like this, when it says, stone your disobedient son to death, particularly when you're angry with them, when they've really been disobedient and you read that passage, what do we do with this? How do we make sense of it? Well, there are two things that we really must understand about the Bible. And these are vital if we are, uh, if we are uh, to allow this book to guide us in life. Two things that are really important. Number one, we must know that this is God's Word. This is His Word to us. This is a revelation of His character. And I read verses like this in 2 Timothy where it says, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and become convinced of because you know those you've learned it from. And how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, that's this Bible, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Now, this is a classic verse. All scripture is God-breathed. You can see the breath there. 
all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. All scripture is God-breathed. Literally, it's written, all scripture is the breath of God. It's God-spirited. So that what we hold in our hands is the breath of God to us. This is who I am. It's spirit-inspired words. Now, this is mind-blowing to me, that the God who is eternal and immeasurable and is awesome beyond our understanding has given us a glimpse of who he is through his word. He reached down to earth and communicated to us through his word and revealed who he is. When I think about the Bible, like the book of Job... The book of Job is probably the oldest book in the Bible, written 4,000 years ago, so 2,000 years before Christ. And back then, there were no such thing as churches. There was no such thing as a Bible. Yet this guy, Job, had an extremely close relationship with God. And he had to try work out his relationship with God from his limited understanding of who God is and who he was in relation to God. Yet he could write such things as this. And I love this passage. And I read it last week, but he says, Oh, that the words were recorded, that they were written on a scroll, that they would be inscribed with an iron tool on lead or engraved on rock forever. I know that my Redeemer lives... And I know that in the end, he will stand on the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh, I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes. I am not another. How my heart yearns within me. That is amazing. And that could only come from a revelation from God himself. That is God breathed. As he looks and describes something that he can't even comprehend, but is descriptive of God... That is God-inspired. And so from the Bible, which is God's breath to us, we know that he is eternal, that he is the beginning and the end, that he is the creator, that he's powerful, that he is love, that he is completely honest, that he is faithful, that he is merciful, that he is good, that he is forgiving, he's our loving father, he's our saviour. We know who God is because he inspired writers like Job to write it. And it's the very breath of God. He inspired them to write. He did it to show us who he is. He did it to show us who we are. And as I read his word, I know that we are created by God, but we're fallen and imperfect and we're in need of salvation. But I also know we are saved by his grace. We are his children and we were created with purpose and destiny on our life. So as I read this book, this is God revealing who he is to us and who I am and who I am in relationship to him. It tells me how to live life. It says, all scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. It reads me, it knows me better than I do. Hebrews says this, for the word of God is alive and active. That's because it's the very breath of God. And God's spirit is alive and active. And as I read his word, it's alive and active with me. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. And it penetrates me to my soul and my spirit. It judges my thoughts and my attitudes. So as I read this, I get a fresh awareness of who I am, of who he is. And it's alive and active. And no matter how many times I read it, it's new and um, enlightening to me as I get to know him. 
I can never know the Bible fully. I can never understand it fully. I know such a tiny amount, even after years of studying it. I'm amazed at how it speaks to me every time I read it because it's God's breath and it breathes into me. You might remember Carly said last week, it, remember, it, it shows us who God is so that we can know him and it's working in us so that we can live for him. It's the path to blessing by God. It's his revelation of who he is. This is God's word. And we need to be clear about this. As God followers, this is so important to us because this is God's revelation of who he is and we need to know his word. The interesting thing is we can never completely know it. We go on learning and as we go on learning and studying and and thinking about his word, we realise we really don't know that much. And it's a lifelong quest to know God better through his word. It's his word, inspired and breathed. But the second thing about his word that we need to be clear about is that it was written by humans. Now, this is an interesting thing. This is God's inspired word, but he didn't just drop it to earth, fully done. He actually inspired humans to write it. And this is really important to understand, that God who is eternal, who is perfect, who is outside of time, reached down into time and used imperfect individuals to write his revelation to us of who he is. So this is God who is perfect, using imperfect people who are bound by geography, by time, by their limited understanding of the world around them. And that has all sorts of implications for us. And I put that picture there because a lot of the Bible was written by people who live like this, who were nomadic, who lived in the Middle East a long time ago, who had a different understanding of the world that I do. And God inspired them to write so that we could understand who God is. But he did it through imperfect people who were bound by age, by location, by their cultural differences. And so we read this book knowing it's God's word, but knowing there are implications for us because God himself didn't write it. It wasn't robots that wrote it. It was people with feelings. It was people who lived in a particular time. And these differences can present difficulties for us as we read his word. Several years ago, and this is to explain how differences can really uh, confuse people. Several years ago, I went to Rwanda on a mission trip to see our sponsor child. We have a sponsor child in northern Rwanda. And I took a photo album of my family. I was the only one that went from our family, so I took a photo album. And when we got there, we went to my sponsor child's hut. And we went in and I showed them pictures and I showed them my wife with red hair. And there's a whole lot of chatter. And then they came back to me and said, uh, how did she get red hair? What sort of manure did she rub into it to make it red? And I said, no, it is red. And they couldn't understand it. <laughs> then I showed them my kids. Then I showed them a picture of my dog, Zeb. And they looked at it and then they chatted. And then the interpreter said, uh, what's the purpose of this animal? Do you raise him for meat or do you milk it? Are they for eating or milking? And I said, no, they're for neither. They're for patting. And there was a whole lot of chatter, and they're talking, and, and, I'm, and then they said again, do you fatten him to eat him? And I said, no, all I do is pat him, and a whole lot of chatter. Then they felt really sorry for me, that I had a useless animal that was taking up my food, 
and all I did was pat him, and they felt very sorry for me. The cultural differences were enormous, and so they couldn't understand why I would have a dog like that. And so we have parts of the Bible, particularly the Old Testament, that are confusing, that are boring, that are sometimes difficult to interpret. Like I think of 1 Chronicles. The first nine chapters of 1 Chronicles are all about who gave birth to who. Nine chapters of it. I don't care. Like I know who my great-grandfather is, but beyond that I don't know and don't care. But to them, it was extremely important. And they've got nine whole chapters of who begat who and begat, and I don't care, but they do. It was so important to them. And all the killing and the bloodshed and, and God's law given by God to his people. When you read through that, some of it you're just thinking, what is going on here? What's wrong with these people? But this is God's word. Why? This is where it's important to remember. This was given by God speaking through people who lived in a different time in history, who lived in a different geographical location, who lived in a different cultural setting. And as they wrote, they wrote inspired by God, but they wrote... Uh, bound by the world around them. What we've also got to realise is the Bible was written over a period of over a thousand years. If Job was written 2000 BC and the last book in the Bible was written about 60 AD, that's 2000 years. Uh, we're reading 2000 years worth of God's revelation and it's an unfolding revelation. And so you actually get a clearer picture of God as you go through. God hasn't changed, but people's understanding and their revelation of God changes. I'll give you an example of this. In Exodus 34, it says this, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, is slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. He maintains his love to thousands, forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children, of the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. So as I read that, I'm thinking, does that mean to the fourth, my great-great-great-grandfather sinned, I'm held accountable for his sin too? That's what it says. But then several hundred years later, Ezekiel wrote this, why does the son not share the guilt of his father, since the son has done right and just, and has been careful to keep all my laws, surely he will live. The one who sins is the one who will die. The child shall not share the guilt of his parent, nor the parent shall share the guilt of the child. The righteousness of the righteous will be credited to them. So in Ezekiel, several hundred years later, what the new revelation of God's goodness is, is that I don't have to worry about my father's sin or his father or his father, because now they have a different revelation of how God treats sin. And so they even struggle with this back in Jesus' time. You might remember the story of Jesus' disciples when they came across a man born blind and they said to Jesus, is this man blind because of his sin or his parents' sin? And, and Jesus said, neither. What are you talking about? And then Jesus healed him. So it's not like it's clear. It's sometimes difficult to understand. But as we read the Bible, there are two things that we need to remember. Number one, this is God breathed and inspired and revealed who God is and who we are and how to live in relation to God. Number two, it was written by people who are limited by time and geography and their culture. And as we read it, we've got to remember that. So then I come back to these verses in Deuteronomy. I'm going to go back to this. This is God's word to me. And so I've got to take this seriously. But how do I read this? Because 
my sons sometimes have been rebellious. And so what do I do with this? What does it mean and how do we read it? As we read God's Word, we know that God is love. We know that God is merciful, that He is forgiving. But this doesn't sound merciful or loving and forgiving. And so this grates on me. What do I do with this? Then I remember, this is God breathed, but it was written in a different time, in a different culture, in a different setting. And the people who wrote this lived with a totally different worldview. Then as I look at this, I've always got the thought in my mind, God is kind. And the people who wrote this and first read this, when they read this, they had this wow moment, wow, read that, God is kind. Now, in 21st century Queensland, as I read that, that doesn't sound kind. But to the original readers, it blew their mind that God could be so kind. Well, how do I work this out? I simply study history. And I know back then when this was written, back 3,000 years ago, I know that basically every culture had this thing that fathers were in complete, complete control of their family. And it was quite acceptable for a father who was annoyed with their kid to just kill them. You're allowed to do that as a father. You're the king of your family. And I also know that child sacrifice was completely acceptable and it was actually promoted. And fathers used to boast, I've, I've sacrificed my son to the gods. Look how good I am. And so you lived in a whole, with a whole worldview that fathers were in complete control and they could kill their kids and it was actually a good thing to kill your kid because then it showed how faithful you were to God and, and so you've got this whole mindset and then they were given this law and what this law says, if you're displeased with your son, you can't just kill him and you can't just kill your kid because you want to look good before the gods. You actually, if you've got a disobedient son, first you have to convince your wife that your son is disobedient. Now, that's going to be a hard thing. Hey, love, he disobeyed me, let's kill him. Well, let's just think about this for a moment. So, number one here, the wife has to agree. Number two, you then have to take him to the judges of the town and they hear the case, then they have to agree. So now you've got all these safeguards for sons who, before this law came in, could be killed on a whim. Now you've got all these safeguards. The wife has to agree. The judges have to agree. And this is unprecedented in world history. This is a major step for children, for their rights and their, their health. This is a major step forward. So as the people first read this, they were blown away. How amazing is this? Look how good God is. And from this I can interpret, I don't even have to sacrifice my kids to please God. So this is an amazing freedom for me and my kids can feel safe and this is the grace of God. And as they read it, this was absolutely incredible to them and it showed God's kindness and they were blown away by it. This law, as they read it, they would have said, this law is so kind, it's amazing. The steps of God and his revelation. And as I read the Bible, the Bible tells me that God is always kind. And it's interesting that as we go on through the revelation of God, Paul talked about how a father treats his children in Ephesians. And we talked about this a few months ago, how by the time we get to Ephesians, when God is, is revealing himself and how we should treat our kids, he actually says, 
Parents, submit to your kids. Kids, submit to your parents. Fathers, don't exasperate your kids. Don't make them so that they just... So we've gone from you can kill them whenever to you must get everyone to agree that you can kill them to don't exasperate your kids. Can you see the unfolding revelation of God and how as you see it, you see how kind God is. So when we're reading God's Word... What does this mean for us in the 21st century? Remember I said the Bible is both the simplest and the most complicated book in the world to understand. It's complicated because we're trying to read something that is God-breathed, that is God's revelation to humans, but is also written by people who are limited by time, by culture. And, And so the Bible actually takes a lot of study and work and effort to understand. As we look at that verse, that took study and work and effort to understand where it's coming from. And that's not a bad thing, because we actually have to mull over God's Word. We have to get in a community of believers to talk about God's Word. We have to study it. And that's a great thing, that I can't work it out, and you can't work it out, and maybe if we get together, we can move forward in God's Word, and I don't know everything, and you don't know everything, and we work it out together, inspired by His Holy Spirit. And I also know, I will never get to the place where I know it all, and that makes me humble, because you might bring something into my realm of thinking that I'd never thought of, and that really changes me. And so, we humbly work this book out together. So on one hand, it's complicated, but on the other hand, it's simple. And Jesus actually said an interesting thing when he was talking about the Old Testament. One of the teachers of the law came to him and said, what's the greatest commandment? What should I do? And then Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength and love your neighbour as yourself. All of the Old Testament can be summed up in those two statements. So when I read the Bible, it can be complicated as I work it out. And, but on the other hand, it's so simple. What the Bible tells me is that God is kind and I should worship him and I should be kind to others. And everything is read through that lens. And so when I read a passage like I read in Deuteronomy, where it seems really unkind, what I know is I've now got to try work this out, but I know that God is kind And I know that the people who originally read it thought, wow, God is so kind, and I've got to be kind to other people. And so every passage in the Bible I read through that lens, and if I can't understand it, I think to myself, God is kind, and the people who read this thought, wow, God is so kind. Every part of the Bible is like that. Even the law where it seems weird, even the genealogies, People thought, wow, God is so kind, that's amazing. Every part of the Bible is interpreted through the lens of God is so kind and I've got to be kind to other people. And that takes the arrogance out of reading the Bible and knowing the Bible and saying, I know more than other people. I'm going to be kind to other people. Realise God is kind and realise I don't know it all, but I'm going to spend my life trying to understand it. The great thing is, to be a Christian, you don't have to understand it all. All you need to know, God has saved me, I am His, and we can work this out together 
with the help of the Holy Spirit. And God is kind. Why don't you stand with me? We're going to pray. This is homework for this week. Jesus said, all of the Old Testament uh, hangs on this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength and love your neighbour as yourself. Your homework this week is to think about that and think how this week, over the coming weeks, can I love God with all my... That's not just words. How do I live that out? Loving God with all my heart, mind, soul and strength and living out how to love others as myself. If you do that and you begin to live that out, you're actually understanding what the Bible's all about. So this week, pray about it. God, how? Show me how to love you with everything I have. And show me how to love others as I love myself. And he will always answer that prayer. And he will drop things into your heart. This is what you can do. This is how you can act. This is the attitude you need to change. And he will do that. And when you do that, God will smile on you. And that's what understanding the Bible is all about, living the way he wants us to live and having him smile on us. Let's pray. God, I want to thank you for your word which is your breath to us. I find it mind-blowing that the God who is eternal and perfect revealed himself to us through his word. Lord, I want to thank you for that and we can know who you are and who we are and who we are in relationship to you. I'm so glad that we are your children and that you love us as a father. Lord, I'm also so glad that this is difficult to work out because it takes effort and I can never take it for granted. And it means that I've got to live in community with other believers and try to understand what this word means together. And that means that I have to be humble and kind. And I'm so thankful for that. And I pray that we as a church would be marked by humility, particularly when it comes to your word and and where the answers are difficult and it's hard to interpret and and other people disagree with us. I pray that what would mark us out is humility and kindness to other people. Lord, may we live like this, we pray. Help us to live your word, not just hear it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Next week, we're going to go on with understanding God's word and living it out. It's going to be quite an interesting sermon. So make sure you come back next week. If we're locked down, we'll make other arrangements, but we'll see what happens this coming week. But uh, let's uh, this, this whole series, my prayer is that God's word becomes new and fresh to us. And we're excited about reading it and we understand it better. We hope you enjoyed listening to the Country Hope Church podcast and that this episode blessed you. If you've got any questions or prayer requests, please don't hesitate to contact us through our email, connect at countryhope.church. If you'd like to subscribe to make sure you never miss an episode, that would be fantastic. Otherwise, we hope to see you either online or in person at some point soon.